Thanks for listening to the R-rated edition of yeah. the Freelancer Show. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the first place I go to keep my business skills sharp. They offer over 150,000 books on business, finance, planning, and much more. They also have a great selection of fiction that keeps me entertained when I'm just not up for some serious content. I love it because I can buy a book, download it to my iPhone, and listen while running errands or at the gym. Get your free trial at freelancershow.com slash audible. This episode is brought to you by CodeSchool. CodeSchool offers interactive online courses in Ruby, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and iOS. Their courses are fun and interesting and include exercises for the student. To level up your development skills, go to freelancershow.com slash CodeSchool. This episode is brought to you by ProXPN. If you're out and about on public Wi-Fi, you never know who might be listening. With ProXPN, you no longer have to worry. ProXPN is a VPN solution which sends all of your traffic over a secure connection to one of their servers around the world. To sign up, go to ProXPN.com and use the promo code TMTCS, short for Teach Me to Code Screencasts, to get 10% off for life. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel we have Eric Davis. Hello. Curtis McHale. Hello. Ruben Lerner. Hi everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about sort of balancing family commitments, family uh, responsibilities, things like that. To start off, I I know that in the chat, Reuven mentioned that he had some family stuff go on. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, so my, my I have three kids and my middle daughter just turned 12 and Jewish girls at 12 typically have a bad mitzvah. So we had that. And that meant that for a month, literally a month starting, maybe a little more than a month, we had between two and eight people staying in our house every day. And, you know, people coming from abroad, and it was very nice and everything, and it was nice to see people, but it meant entertaining them, it meant being with them, and it meant that my work, which I often do from home, was punctuated by lots of other people in the house either making noise or needing me or driving people or so on and so forth, or just spending time with family. So, like, on the one hand, it was great seeing everyone. On the other hand, I feel like over the last month, my work suffered massively. Like when I would go out to the house to clients' offices, then I was pretty productive. Uh, and maybe when everyone went to sleep, then I could be somewhat productive. But I was just e- emotionally and physically tired because we had all these people all around. It was really throwing all of us off balance. And we were shuffling children to different rooms to make room for everyone. I know when my father and mother-in-law came out for my daughter, my first daughter's first birthday, my father-in-law, who just needs to be busy, he was supposed to be watching the baby for like half an hour while grandma and my wife went out. And he probably came in in that half hour like five times until I turned around and looked at him and said, Rob, I don't care. Don't like just just leave. He's like, you don't care about your baby? No, I don't actually care about my baby. You cannot come in five times in 30 minutes. I need to work. And that, that was the only way I could finally get him to stop coming in. Now I have an office, so he can't come in. He doesn't even know where it is, but. He is possibly the worst about that currently because <laughs> he just needs to be busy too. He needs to talk to people. He always is like, we're, we'll be sitting around reading at night and he's like, what are we going to do? Oh, we're reading. What do you think? What do you think? But he is possibly the worst. It took my wife a while too. I know when she was first off with our first daughter, it's probably the third or fourth day where she came in my office again for like, again, the fifth or sixth time in like an hour. And I just handed her $20. It was like, I don't care where you go. Here's 20 bucks. Go to the coffee shop. Get out of here. I need to actually work so I can take time off when the baby comes. I'm so, I don't know I'm so bad at you this. Guys. Okay. Like, do, do you need time to like ramp up? Like if someone interrupts me, then I, I'm like, you know, I'm very nice and everything. Or I try to be nice about it. I, th- I probably need to be stronger willed about like Curtis. 
But then it easily takes me another 5, 10, 15 minutes to sort of get back into what I was doing. Yep, Which is absolutely. typically just in time for the next interruption. I mean, that's the thing, right, is I'm not very good at switching gears and switching back. I mean, if I'm really in the zone, then I can come in and I can, you know, I'm in the zone, come back later and, you know, kind of blow it off, which offends my wife a little bit. But otherwise, yeah, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> never mind. You know, I'm, I'm not in the zone anymore. I'm not, you know, highly productive state of mind anymore. So let's just take advantage of the interruption. But yeah, as far as the, the family interruptions thing, it's kind of hard sometimes because, you know, my wife, especially, you know, she's pretty good most of the time, but sometimes she just, she needs my help with this or that, or she doesn't really think about, you know, the fact that I'm trying to get work done. And so I get enough interruptions to where I can't get everything done unless I work late. And that's kind of frustrating as well. And so it kind of ebbs and flows depending on how, how many interruptions I get as to how well I do it saying no or telling people to go away. Is, is there a good rule of thumb that you guys follow? For this, do you just you know this is work time, so don't bother me? Or is there more or less to it than that? Um, I used to do a stoplight thing. So mm-hmm. green means to come in, do whatever. Yellow means come in if it's important, um, but I'd rather not be bothered. And red means if you come in, I'm going to get really mad, and you're probably going to like slow me down by about an hour. Um, I did that for a while. I actually did that when I was like working as an employee. All the developers had some kind of like card system. We would have like on our cubicle or on our desk. So people would know like, oh, don't plug Eric right now. He is really busy or he's you know under a deadline. If you talk to him, he's going to get really mad and it's it's going to be your fault. Um, that worked for a little while. I even made like some like kind of like electronics thing with LVVs for my wife. But I guess past several years, whatever, she's been working out of the house. So she's been, you know, she has an office she goes to. Our daughter goes to daycare. So it's just me and my dog. And I don't really have that kind of interruptions. The main interruptions I'll get is like phone calls or text messages, and those are a little easier to ignore. Yeah, with my wife, I said if the door was fully latched, like do not come in. If the door is cracked, then like you need to come in to get something, that's fine. And our room, like my office was our bedroom for the whole time I was home because we have a small house. So I had to at least make it accessible sometimes. I think the biggest thing that I, I had issue outside of like, you know, when my father-in-law comes or something like that was like going to get more coffee and having to like have a 20 minute hug bump high five thing just to, you know, five minutes on the way in five minutes on the way back and then three minutes to peel the kid off your leg or something as you're trying to get back to work. That was probably cost me like an hour a day or so. But I think, I mean, I think a lot of the the fault here is mine because I've, I mean, my family knows that, you know, there are times when I just need to work and I'll tell them, I'll say, look, don't, don't, don't interrupt me. I really got to get this done. But there are other times when it's much more sort of, I guess, Eric's yellow light sort of situation, right? Where it's like, well, you can interrupt me if it's, if it's important. And then what is important is, of course, a very subjective thing. So I, I think I probably need to be stricter about it. To some degree, though, I avoid the problem. To some degree, I mean, I mean I'm out of the house probably about three, four days a week. And when I'm not out of the house, typically I'm working then when the kids are in school, my wife is often away working, and then I work after everyone goes to sleep. So that's that's been, I think, to some degree, my cowardly solution to the problem. But it doesn't solve the problem of people coming in when I'm working. Yeah, I just tell, I just straight up tell people, I'm working, go away. I know for one summer, my wife would work three mornings a week, and we would have a daycare. Like a, lo- a local girl came by, and I was upstairs, and she, she just played with them. And, and she came up a few times, and I eventually just told her, listen, if no one's dying, I don't need to know about it. I will come down at lunch to help with lunch, and that's it. If no one is dying, it doesn't matter. 
And that, that established the parameters enough for her. So when we were just married and I was up in the office working away and my wife knew I was working on something, I didn't want her to interrupt me. All of a sudden I hear from downstairs, Reuven! I'm like, oh my God. I said, what do you want now? Well, our microwave was actually on fire. Uh, <laughs> so I told her, okay, this is actually an okay thing to, to interrupt before. Yeah, I remember my, actually with our second daughter, my youngest or my oldest comes upstairs and says, Daddy, you need to come help mommy. And and you can hear her, leave daddy alone, leave daddy alone. And I find her and she's like laying on the ground because she's about to pass out like seven and a half months pregnant. And I look at her and I was like, this is a time you need to get in touch with me. Like, <laughs> and she's trying to stop eating and eating, just ignored her, which was good in that case. But it can be tough to say no. Like I think the toughest thing that I found, even with really good headphones, is hearing the kids being bad because they're kids, right? And then my wife, you know, some days you just don't deal with it well. And listening to it all day, like over the headphones and everything, and then coming down and feeling like I've just listened to this all day. I didn't have to deal with it, but I had to listen to it the whole time anyway, so I'm tired out from it too. And having an office away from home now makes it significantly better because I come back and even if the kids were bad all day, then I didn't have to hear it. So I just had a, you know, now a reasonably quiet office for most of the whole time and I can come home and, and jump right back into that and be of assistance without feeling all tired like I dealt with it all day. I mean, in some ways it's worse that I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like if the kids are misbehaving or just loud in general, and then I hear my wife dealing with it. And I'm like, okay, if I get, if I don't get involved, they're just going to keep being loud. If I do get involved, then I'm fighting with, with everyone. <laughs> so it's basically this no-win situation. I think something I had to always remember is that my job right now is to earn money for the family so that we can continue to live in a house and not have to move into a fridge box. My wife's job is to stay at home and be with the kids, right? And that is like that is the most important thing I can do is continue to earn money so we don't have to live in fridge boxes. Yeah, I, I think my issues basically boil down to, I mean, if the kids intrude, I just send them back out, you know, give me a hug, kick it out. You know, when my wife intrudes, especially, you know, for, for different things, I think that's the thing that I really do need to communicate better is we are this close to fridge box status. And so, you know, I've got to work or we need to bring in this much so that we can bring home this much so that we can pay all the bills. And we know where we're at as far as, okay, we've, we've got everything paid for. We've got everything paid for through next month or, you know, we're at what, however we're measuring things, you know, so, okay, we're putting money into an emergency fund or paying off debt or whatever, but, you know, we're making enough to achieve what we're aiming for. And then the rest of it, you know, can boil down to whatever. But uh, a lot of times I get stressed because I haven't communicated that well. And yeah, I, I think I think that's really what I need to do in a lot of these cases so that she can then I, say yes or no to the things that are going to make a difference for her. Right. I think a lot of this, as usual with these sorts of things, is communication, right? Where you know, when I have huge deadlines or things are late or the confluence of the two, which is, of course, the best – then I try to tell my family, look, I know I'm going to be grouchy. I know I'm going to be, you know, difficult, but I need to get certain things done over the next day or two. So please, please, please don't interrupt me. And that, that's generally effective, I found. Yeah. The it other goes both ways too. Like my wife, a couple of months ago, she was studying for like a huge certification test that's like, uh, one of the three main ones for her career path. And when she did it last for a, a different level, it was like 40 hours a week of studying on top of her full-time job. And so what we ended up doing is she would get home from work. You know, I would cook dinner, I'd have dinner, and then she'd help me get my, get our daughter ready for bed. And then when my daughter would go down, it's, you know, you got like about an hour before they actually go to sleep and before they're done, you know, with minor demands. But during that time, my wife would go and study at night and I would basically manage everything with my daughter. 
unless there was something that was significant that I had to like basically call for backup. And that meant even like if we were like, you know, reading a story and my daughter did something cute and I took a picture of it, I would wait until, you know, a couple hours later when my wife was done studying to show her the picture because I didn't want to interrupt her or kind of throw her off her game. And, you know, at the beginning, there's a couple of times I would go down there and talk to her in downstairs and you could tell like it, she, I just basically blew like 30 minutes of her studying away because I just interrupted her and she lost her train of thought. And so it works both ways. It works whenever there's any kind of focused attention that, you know, someone needs on something. You know, it's, I, I had this happen with clients too. Like maybe I'm working for one client and another one wants something, but it's going to take away so much of my time to help the second client. So I just kind of put them on the back burner until I can get to them. Right. And I, I think that point of when our spouses, I mean, in our case, our wives need to work, hopefully like we're going to offer them the same courtesy and the same understanding as they offer us. And I mean, my, my wife's a curator. She's got a big exhibit opening in about a month. And she has told me, as if I needed reminding, the next month is going to be totally nuts for her. And so, you know, I, I've tried to step up and do more things and arrange my time appropriately. Yeah, I think for my case, I mean, my wife doesn't work. I mean, there are some things that she's involved in with the school and things like that. But so she can, you know, I can also communicate well with her about the things that she needs to be at or do. And that way I can make sure that I am available when she needs me to, to be, you know, and then barring any emergency, then, you know, it's a non-issue for the other stuff because it's okay. I'm not going to bother him because I know it's going to mess things up. I find the biggest issue in reverse for me is convincing my wife to go out. I'm like, go, you need to go do this, go. And 10 minutes later, she's still there. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you still here? And why are you still talking to the kids about this? Go. Yeah. And it's by no means her thinking that I can't handle it. Because like when she was working full time for a year after our first daughter was one, like I was the main caregiver. I picked the kids up from school or from daycare. I made the dinners. I did everything. And she got home just in time for bedtime. And I was home all, like I was home all Saturday with her solo as well because my wife worked Saturdays. But just getting her to take a break. Yeah. Whereas I feel fine taking a break as my own personal care. Yeah. There are definitely some inconveniences that I've experienced. Inconveniencing my wife, I guess, you know, because I need a break or I need to get out. I need to change the scenery. And so I will, you know, head over to the cafe or this or that. And then it's inconvenient. And one of the other ones that is also inconvenient is when somebody kind of takes advantage of my wife being a responsible person. So, for example, we carpool to the kids' school. They go to a charter school here, so there's no bus. So we have to drive them to school in the morning and pick them up in the afternoon. And the issue there is that the person she carpools with flakes out on her at least once a week, picking up the kids in the afternoon. If it were in the morning, I help her get the kids ready and get them out the door. So, you know, if that was a problem, I could either drive them or, you know, whatever. But in the afternoon, it's right in the middle of my day. And it really messes things up when she's like, I've got to go pick up the kids. Or, you know, for example, Tuesdays are the worst because I record this show, Ruby Rogues and JavaScript Jabber, all on the same day. And so oh when, she, when she gets the call, uh, she has to take off basically in the middle of JavaScript Jabber. And she can't take all the kids with her. So the three-year-old, he's pretty self-sufficient, but uh, there have been a few times where she's been babysitting and she babysits another little boy that's about two and his mom showed up to pick him up and I, I haven't heard her knock on the door because I'm recording a podcast, you know? And so I keep telling my wife to find somebody new and she feels bad because this is a neighbor that doesn't know very many people, you know, stuff like that. So I just... I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is. I encourage her to find somebody new, but she just, I don't think she's going to 
partner with this person next year. But anyway, she feels some obligation to actually, you know, be there for this, this, uh, neighbor. And so it's been kind of hard that way. And, you know, you can push to some degree, but you can't really, I mean, I can't make her not carpool with this person. So, you know, in that case, it's, it's not my wife having the problem. It's somebody else having the problem, you know, or being irresponsible that's affecting my day. And I'm not quite sure how to solve that other than just wait this out. And then when she starts talking about who to carpool with next year, I put my foot down and say, no, you cannot carpool with that person. At least not without it being a big fight. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I'd do. I'd tell her the value that we lose or something. Like, I'm losing this many hours. That's how much, like, we could pay for taxis every day. That'd be better. Like, a better use of our money than me losing the time. So my, my, my two daughters, my girls are in seventh and ninth grade now. So they, they're in a school where they, they take like a mini bus there. So that's not an issue. But my son goes to a, I mean, it's local school, but it's not walking distance really. So he takes the, you know, the municipal public bus and he's okay with this. He's not thrilled with it, but he's used to it by now. And so that's what we do. But that's for going to school and coming back. Basically, he could take the bus in theory, but there's so many kids. It's such a crush of kids that's just nearly impossible to get on. So we decided not to carpool with another family that lives across the street from us, but we hired a, a woman to drive our two sons home. Uh, and that, I mean, basically, it was exactly that sort of calculation. We are now working hard enough and earning enough that we can pay for someone to do this, and it's worth it for us financially. And we had to do that calculation, but it was and it is. It means my wife can stay at her job, say, two hours longer each day, and I'm a little freer in terms of where I am. So these things definitely can happen, in the, but, but it takes some creativity and some, some thinking. Yeah, well, that's the exact reason why we do daycare. I mean, if we didn't do daycare, either my wife would have to stay home so she wouldn't have a job, or she could go to her job and I would watch our daughter for the day and then I would work at night. But we worked it out like that wouldn't work. And based on our incomes, like it was significantly better just to put our daughter in daycare and then when, you know, work during the day. And then when our daughter came home, it's family time, like hundred percent family time. So I don't work at night. Uh, my wife doesn't, you know, do stuff at night unless it's like emergency type stuff. And that balance worked good for us, you know, it financially and also as like a family unit, you know, and that's kind of the same thing. Like if you lose two or three hours out of your day, cause you have to drive someone or do that sort of thing or do errands and it's cheaper to do, to hire someone to do it for you. And there's no actual like downside to it. Then that's probably the best business decision to make. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, that you bring that up, because when I was a kid, my parents actually did that. They hired one of the neighbors to come over and get the family vehicle, and my brother and sister, two of my brothers and my sister, were going to private school. And, yeah, he'd drive up, pick them up, drive them back. You know, he was 16, so he had a driver's license, and he'd just go do it. Yeah, I I, I think it's Perry Marshall. Um, he's a marketer. He talks about something where there's, like, $1 an hour work, $5 an hour work, $50 an hour work, $100 hour work, and then $1,000 hour work. You know, the, the idea is like your day is built above these different hours at different rates. And, you know, if you're doing there just filing, like that's like $5 an hour work, you should hire someone to do it for you so you can take that time and do $100 an hour work. Well, in your case, Chuck, I mean, you know, recording your podcast is probably $100 or maybe even $1,000 an hour work. So it doesn't make sense for you to stop your podcast to go pick up your kids when you can hire someone, even if you pay them 50 bucks a trip, that's still probably going to be a net benefit to you and your business in the long term. Um, and the idea is you hire people to do the, the lower dollar an hour work to free up your time and free up your day to do the more valuable work. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's definitely something I'm, I'm willing to do. And, you know, you kind of have to have somebody else tell you that sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, 
one of the other things, and my, my wife was definitely not expecting this when we got married, but the fact that I do consulting means that we have a family business, right? And so everything the business does impacts on her and us and the way things work and you know, the budget's affected as well. I mean, the fact that my wife now works for the business, she does her own sort of consulting, right? I mean, she's a curator, but we do it through the umbrella of our business. But it means that everyone in our family knows what's the business doing, how are we doing, you know, new clients, old clients and everything. And so some of our, I mean, not that we're so good at it, but family budgeting depends in no small part on how is the business doing. Yeah, that makes sense. So those, so that's what, those sorts of decisions basically become not just you know business decisions, but family business decisions, as it were. Where you and your wife are both bringing in money through freelancing, essentially. I'm curious, how do I, in my position, how do I communicate with my wife about what's going on in my business? Because for the most part, I don't think she really worries about it or cares any more than just, you know, are we okay financially or not? So my wife gives me lots of good advice, and I often... I should say, when I ignore it, it turns out that she was usually, not always, but usually right. And in particular, she's very good at figuring out like people. So when I come back and I tell her about a client, I'm like, well, this new client, new potential client sounds great, but there's this thing. And she says, uh-oh, that thing sounds, sounds really bad. And sure enough, months later, if things don't go well, she has pointed to the thing that was a problem. But in general, I'll ask her advice on a lot of stuff. I mean, now with, with my whole transition away from the training company I work with and do training on my own. So she's been very supportive and very helpful. And, you know, I've been running by all the strategies I've been using to do that breaking away in terms of employees, in terms of clients. She also, I mean, I remember when I brought in a really big, great client at some point, I said, wow, this is just going to last an awfully long time. And she said, nothing lasts forever. It will end and it might end poorly. And that's just the nature of these things. And that advice has stuck with me for a long, long time because it's just so true. I mean, for you, Chuck, I think what might be important is letting her know, like maybe it's each week or whatever, but let her know, like you have certain, you know, existing commitments that are unbreakable. You know, if it's just you're allocating a block of time to work, you could shift that around if you had to. But if, especially if you're bringing in other people like client meeting or podcast group, like, you know, if you break that, you're actually letting down multiple people and it's like a cascading effect of damage. I think letting her know that would be good, like a good first step of actually drawing her into the business. You know, I mean, there's always mm-hmm. a problem, like in this, this exact case, you know, the carpool person flakes out. And so she's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. But I think, you know, either she, your wife, you know, needs to figure out a solution to that, whether it's she goes to get the kids or she, you know, leaves that carpool person, finds a new one or does something else, you know, give her the power and let her know that falling back on you at these certain times is basically not an option. Like you'll do it in an emergency, but like it basically, like here's, here's the damages, here's the effects. You got to reschedule. You got you might lose a client. You might lose some revenue, that sort of thing. Right. So, you know, let her have the ability to find a solution and let her see the effects of not finding a solution. And I know that Dave Ramsey, because I know you read that, have read that, Chuck, he would say that your spouse should have access to all the business accounts that when you do like a monthly business budget and recap the month financially, she should see it and she should know about it knowing that there's only one month left, you know, would say, okay, we really do need to leave daddy alone because we would like to eat the month after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd agree for a larger picture. That's a good thing. Yeah. The the thing is, is that, you know, um, I think she just expects me to tell her, Hey, we only have two months of runway. So left, do or, call a meeting, call yeah. a meeting every month and say, this is the meeting. This is where we are. These are the clients on tap. This is what the financial outlook looks like. Right. Yeah. I like it. I should do that. 
I know every month when we do our personal budget, I give my wife a recap of the accounts and she can actually see like when she logs into banking, she sees all the business accounts at the same time. And I just basically give her a recap of the client so she can tell and she can logs into all our spreadsheets so she could see like how much is saved for taxes and how much is just savings. Um, the only thing she doesn't know all the time is the future clients coming up because she's not in my email day to day, right? Right. Right. Also, like, I don't think my, my wife has a, a sort of week to week or month to month understanding of what sorts of clients I've got and, you know, where things are going up or going down. I mean, I try to sort of give her that forecast. I think having a meeting is not a bad idea. Just to talk about finances in general, home finances and, and business finances and understand where things are and where we're improving, where we could do better. And given that her advice is often very good, I guess it's sort of foolish not to have those meetings on a regular basis to take advantage of the advice. At the end of the day, you know, she's impacted as much as me by these decisions. There's a TED talk. Um, I'll try to find it for the show notes, but it talked about having like it took agile or scrum or something like that. One of the software development methodologies and use that for family. So there'd be like a weekly scrum meeting where they'd figure out like what's going on, what's happening in this area, that area, what went well last week, what needs to improve. And the speaker said it actually was pretty nice. It, get, it puts a lot of structure around something that's usually unstructured. And once they got into it, like it seemed like everyone was happy and was well-functional with it. Yeah, yeah we I, actually end our day around the dinner time with an after-action review for everybody. What was what went good in your day? What didn't go good in your day? How was your day overall? And how are you going to make that bad thing go better next time? Everyone, like the four-year-old does that. We laugh as we ask the baby because she can't talk. And then we ask my wife, and then my four-year-old likes to ask me those questions. So, Did you have a whiteboard at your dinner table? No, we don't have a whiteboard at the dinner table. Why? <laughs> no, it just it just sounds very formal, that's all. Ah, <laughs> uh, it is, but she like like my four year old, if we'll go to bed and we forgot one day, she'd be like, Daddy, you didn't ask me how my day went and what went bad. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's that's pretty great. I think it's pretty interesting because it's just like, you know, she's on my you know, I, I fought with my friend today. Well, why did you fight with your friend? And she tells you, Okay, how do you think you can make that better next time? You know, well, maybe I can do this or I should play with a different friend because this one I always have arguments with because we want to do different things. And it's just interesting even to watch her learn about it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I don't want it to come across like my wife doesn't want to be involved or anything. It's just for the most part, it's not something that we really communicate about. And so it's, it's okay. Well, how do we get started with this? And, you know, how far, how far do I bring her in? So, you know, a, a lot of this really makes sense. And just adding some structure around it, I think, be it a, a regular meeting or some of the other things that you guys have suggested, I think are really positive in the way that, you know, you think about the things that we deal with day to day and just, you know, communicating where the boundaries are and what the impacts are. Right. I mean, I, at the same time, like the communication I've found in the last few months can be a little much. So I mean, we took on a bunch of debt so I could finish the PhD over the last two years. And I think it's totally worth, you know, worthwhile. But I think I've been, uh, I guess, a little heavy handed in saying, Oh no, we, you know, we can't do XYZ because, you know, we're trying to pay off the debt and we really have to pay off these debts. And my 12 year old just at some point started crying and she was like, look, we have all these debts. What are we going to do? And I have my bat mitzvah and you're paying money for that. And I do assure her, and even last night when we were going to pay down a bunch of it, I said to her, look, we're doing okay. The business is doing okay. We're able to do this. You know, it's, it's going to take some time. Uh, hopefully within the next year we can pay it all off. But I, I think by stressing that so much and bringing the business side of things into the family discussions, it was counterproductive, in fact. By the way, my, my daughter has said she will never do a PhD. <laughs> smart, smart girl. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> 
So she's how old and she weighed the pros and cons and you did it? Well, <laughs> she, she's 12, but my, my wife has, has made it clear to uh, my girls who are 12 and 14 that really they should try to get their PhDs done before they're 25 or 26 because like once you get married and have kids, it's just like really messy and hard to do. No pressure, right? <laughs> um, so, so my 14 year old just gives us this awestruck face of, you've got to be kidding me that you're really talking about this now with me. And my 12 year old says, explicitly, she will use these words, you have traumatized me. I will never do a PhD. Does your wife have a PhD as well? No, but she, she started one and then stopped it when our first child was born. Ah, okay. She's talking about thinking about going back and doing it, but she's got enough on her plate right now. I, I don't think it's happening just yet. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to like communicating and, you know, being open about a lot of this stuff. I think whether it's your wife, your husband, your significant other, your client, family members, like if you're not communicating with them about what you need, what expectations they should set, they, in a way, they're open and able to make whatever thoughts about your schedule, about your work they want. You know, if you don't tell them that you're busy and you have to keep working, it's not, it's their fault, but it's not really, you can't blame them too much if they come in and interrupt you. Like if you didn't tell them and make it clear, like I'm busy, I have to do this work for a client. I have a deadline and this is what's paying the bills this month. If you do tell them that and then they keep interrupting you, then you can have another discussion. But you know, it's kind of like not in a bad way, but they're ignorant of what your problems, what your needs are. And you can't blame them for that. Right. Eric and Curtis, you were asking in the, in the chat, like when should we start teaching about money? And I swore that I was going to teach my kids to be good about money from a very young age because my parents are bad at it and I'm sort of bad at it. And I figured, okay, I've got to break this and I need to be better at it. And if I teach my kids, then maybe we can all be good at it together. And so far, I must admit that I've been bad at teaching them. And I I feel really bad about that, actually. I think it's like (laughs) a... I probably made you feel better when I said, or worse, when I said, yeah, my three-year-old had three chores because you do not get allowance. And when she asks for money, I always ask her, how do people get money? And she says, they work for money, daddy. (laughs) <laughs> um, so i had the real basics because you didn't see all hear all or see the chat we had in skype is that so my three-year-old does three chores for money on the weekends if she doesn't do the chores then she actually pays us out of her money because the chore has to get done on the weekend and then during the week there are other chores she has to do that is just part of being a family and when she was when out that she's four she has four chores and we just let her spend it however she wants really on whatever but she, a while ago, said she wanted to save for an iPad. And we said, well, a $400 iPad for a four-year-old at $4 a week is, like, way too long. So we <laughs> told her, we should, if you save $100, because that's a lot of money for a four-year-old, then we'll pay for the rest. We'll get you an iPad. And she is at, like, $60 now. So she is doing very good. And she, like, keeps that iPad jar, like, tight. But she spent all of her money. She was 80 cents short on the toy she wanted. Actually, not the toy was too expensive, so she chose something else last week. And she was 80 cents short, which we covered for the 80 cents, right? It's about saving and seeing how the money works, which she emptied her other piggy bank where she's been putting part of her money, her chore money, and bought this super cool toy. Like It was even not all princessy, but I thought it was pretty fun too. So. Curtis wants one. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's, it's a cool princess roller castle that was on for like, I think it was like $50. It was on for like 15 something rather, and she had $16, so we paid 80 cents for it. Yeah, we all know Curtis is dying to get the singing Frozen doll, right? <laughs> Meh. I don't know. She doesn't sing it that much. It's interesting that you say that you know you have your daughter do chores for money because it needs to get done. Like I never got an allowance growing up, and my wife didn't either. And so while I talk to my kids a lot about how you know you should 
get skills that will earn you money and you can make a lot doing certain things. Not that's the only driving factor in what you choose as a career, but that is a factor. But I don't think we've ever seriously talked in any way about getting money for doing chores around the house because I think mostly those just sort of have to get done. I think that's the the approach we've taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, like, I'm not sure if it works. They can't work, right? I mean, when she right. is 13 or 14, like, there are just chores around the house and you can go get a job if you need money, right? That is yeah. it. And like I said, when she's six, we'll start talking about six yeah, around there. It'll depend on how, how much she's into it. But she'll, um, we'll start talking about like you save some of your money, you spend some of your money, and you give some of your money away, right? You give it to a charitable cause or something like that. Um, but at four, we just let her do what she wants with it, really, which is more often count. Can we count our my money again today? Sure. <laughs> and she's like, look, I've got 32 monies and it's like 32 random pennies and Mexican pesos and stuff. And she's like, that's more than this jar, right? With the paper in it because it stacks higher. I'm like, sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. Why not? If you like that because it's prettier then I want to keep my pretty money. Okay. Well, my 14 year old started doing babysitting. She did a bit last year, less so this year because she's just got a ton of schoolwork. But I mean, I think she was super excited, like, wow, people are entrusting me to be with their kids and do things. And, you know, I'm getting money for this. Like, she she was really blown away by that. All right. Well, do we have anything else we want to talk about on this or should we get to the picks? <laughs> All right. Ruben, do you want to start us with picks? Sure. So I've got two self-promoting picks and one non-one. So I'll do the non-self-promoting one first. So, Chuck, this is a promoting thing for you, actually. I started listening recently to the uh, Enter Programmers podcast, and it's fun and interesting, and particularly the one that I listened <laughs> listened to the one today about debt. And I thought it was a, a very interesting uh, discussion about how people handle it and what they can do to get rid of it and how many friends people have who have it. So, uh, no, I, I was enjoying it quite a bit. I thought it was interesting how you said that, how many people or friends who have who have it, you know, like it's a disease or something. <laughs> Oh, no, it was just sort of funny. The podcast, you know, everyone's like, well, I also have a friend who has some debt issues. Oh, yes. Uh, but no, it was, it was, look, it's always nice to know you're not the only one struggling with these issues. And it's nice to know that, you know, people you like and respect, I mean, you know, maybe this is like unfair, but like and respect are also having these issues and having to deal with them. So no, I thought it was good. And some of the strategies were actually very nice to, to hear as well. Anyway, the other two picks are two sites that I've set up recently. One is called uh, Daily Tech Video. So this is a, just a simple WordPress site, but every day at midnight Israel time, because that's how the world revolves, right? There's a new conference video, and this is for people like me who like watching conference videos, but don't really have a lot of time to watch them. So I figure every day you can see one hopefully interesting one as well. So that's at dailytechvideo.com. And I also, and this is a much, much smaller audience, or at least from our listeners, I also started something called uh, Mandarin Weekly for people like me who are learning Chinese and somewhat obsessed by it. And this is sort of along the lines of what you know, Peter Cooper's been doing with his newsletters for programming languages, except this is for you know, human language. And uh, we'll see exactly where it goes. But so far, I've had fun assembling lots of links and uh, setting it up. And that's at MandarinWeekly.com. Anyway, those are my picks for this week. Very nice. Curtis, what are your picks? Got three. One is 50 books to read from Freelance Lift. It's 50 business books that you should read. I put them all on a list. I'm going to see if I can get through them all this year, which I probably can. Shouldn't be that much of an issue. I got two for travel. Um, for travel, battery power is often an issue for your phones and stuff. And I have a Mophie Power Station Pro, which is like the rugged drop it in water one that power charges my iPhone five times. And the other crucial piece is a Belkin travel surge protector, which has two USB ports. 
a spinning plug so you can plug it in wherever and three outlets. So I have been places where there's like all the outlets are jammed up and I look at the person next to me and I'm like, I've got two USB ports and two plugs. I need one plug. Will you let me plug this in? And they look at you and say, sure. Just plug that one in. I've even been at coffee shops and offered it to other people because there are no plugs and they're like, I don't even know where to plug in now. So here, I've got this. I'll pull it in my bag and plug it in for you. That is a fantastic way to be like the most popular person in the airport. Oh yeah, totally. I've had people like, but like I'm using it and one person is using it and they're like, can I get on the USB there too? Sure. Go for it. Like, I don't need it. I just plugged everything into my computer. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Well, and they've got three plug and a six plug, which is also nice. The six plug is like a huge wall plug in unit. So is the one plug. The three plug is by far the most portable and I've had mine for years. And actually the plug protector that makes sure the ends don't get bent pops off and sticks on the base so that on a standard wall plug, you can plug it in and the base is actually touching the wall as well. So you're not like flexing on this big plug. So it's pretty slick little thing. Very cool. I actually have a power strip that has, I think, four outlets and three USB plugs on it which is, it's not as compact as this, but it's nice to have, and I carry it around in my computer bag. Eric, what are your picks? All right, so I got a blog post by Seth Godin. It's where to start. It's a nice, really short one, especially if you're kind of getting uh, kind of the resistance of starting something, you know, whether it's all in your head or you're making up things of like why you can't start. It's a nice one to kind of, you know, help your motivation levels. And then a second one is a book I read, I think about a month ago. It's called Getting Results the Agile Way, a personal results system for work and life. The author basically took Agile as it's found in software development and spun it around and did some stuff to make it kind of like a getting things done um, methodology. It's really interesting because it's the different perspective on things. It's very complementary to GTD. And I'm actually going through and using this for 2015 to kind of do like my goals and what I'm doing every month, what I'm doing every week, um, along with some other things. But it's a nice book, especially if you don't Either you're looking for something new for like, you know, your own personal productivity, or if you have had a hard time getting onto any of them and you want to try something, uh, it's nice because you can take different parts of this one. You don't have to actually take the whole thing at once and, you know, spend $200 at like a stationary store to get all the gear you need. You can just start with what you have and add to it as you go. So that's it. Very cool. Um, I've got a couple of picks. The first one is Slack. It's a web, it's, well, it's a web application that's a chat room. And basically the thing I like about it over things like Skype or IRC is that Skype chat logs really just stick around on your computer until you clear them. And IRC, you can set up your IRC server to log it, but why bother going to all the trouble to set it up if you can use something like Slack? And you can put bots in there and stuff like that. In fact, they have a bot in there by default that does certain things for you. And so it's a pretty handy system. I really like it. And I've been using it with my latest client anyway. So I'm really digging that. And then I've been using Kanban flow to manage the project and I'm super digging that as well. So I'm going to pick that as well. And uh, finally, we've had John Sonmez on this show before. We also had him on Ruby rogues a couple of weeks ago, talking about marketing yourself as a software developer. And he put together a blogging course, an email blogging course. And so I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. It's, I, I registered for it and it is, it is really good. So yeah, I'll find the link and I'll make sure that gets into the show notes. And those are my picks. I got one caveat for, I have one caveat for Slack for those who are going to get into it with clients. Be very careful about what you use the built in GIF search 
204 because, oh my goodness, occasionally you get things in there that are totally random and entirely inappropriate. So one thing to do with fellow friends and one thing to do with clients. Wait, wait, what do you mean? Like searching through your history, your chat history? No, you, you type slash Giphy and whatever you want, and then it goes out and does a web search and returns a, a random GIF off the first page of Google or something <laughs> like that. And so it's like sometimes you're like, well, I think I typed dirt one time and it came back and it looked pornographic but it was really some guy like folding his belly button in a weird way but the first look i was like oh my goodness and then it was a belly button and then once you saw the belly button it wasn't as terrible but still a dirty picture as it were yes i my friend did one too and it was like this oiled up italian man with muscles and we believe a thong but it was really hard to tell (laughs) very cool well i don't think i have anything else no announcements so we'll wrap up the show we'll catch you all next week This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the Freelancer Show panelists and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. Sign up at freelancershow.com slash forum. 